The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, I encourage you to follow us on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you find your pods. And by the way, kids, if you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. We can take care of the whole deal for you. You can record out of our Westwood studios here. Uh, Westwood Mass, that is. Or we can do it from the comfort comfort of your own home. We'll send you out a cool microphone and get started. Pod617.com is where you go. So um, I got an old buddy in the house, and he's in studio. I'm very excited you came to the studio, Dave. We've got dueling days today. Please welcome old buddy of Dave and also veteran of sports media. We'll explain. Dave Olin. Dave Olin is in the house. How are you, bud? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, I, all I can tell you, Dave, is that you look exactly as I remember from about 40 years ago. So it's, I mean, nothing ever changes. And I wish it was that way in the world beyond just your looks. I detect a note of sarcasm there. I had a lot more hair in those days. Um, you know, it was in a mullet. It was It existed. <laughs> and now no hair. Yeah, I was just, t- we were, before we started recording, I, t- I remember, I told Dave, although we come from the same town, Sharon Mass., we, I kind of didn't know you until we both went to summer camp together, and uh, that was in 1981. And I remember yes. you used to wear – we all did, but you, you, you definitely wore those souvenir Red Sox plastic helmets, not not for – to be used for actual playing baseball. Remember those? I do very yeah. well. In fact, I was a little bit handicapped, pardon the pun, by them because yeah. I have a massive head. Um, <laughs> literally, I mean, picture the biggest watermelon you could cut up for the family on a, on a hot summer day. And my issue with those helmets was that the liner in them, or whatever you want to the call plastic. it, was like a little plastic liner yep. in there. I couldn't get my head into the liner, so I had to rip the entire took thing, the whole out. thing out. Yeah, and then there are pegs that remain that you you could file them off with a razor blade or something. But I would leave them, and then like somebody would like come up and like slap my helmet or something. The pegs would go right into my head, and I'd be in agony. I remember I, that like it was yesterday. I remember you. You won't believe that. Well, maybe you will believe this, but I remember that too because I was one of the guys that slapped your head at some point because you used you used to like needle me at, when we sat at the at the table together for lunch or whatever, and I don't know what we were fighting about, but at one point I hit you hit you on the top of your helmet head. I remember you, that, and you got this pained look on your face. Yes, and I was like, "What what's the matter?" You're like, "You don't understand." I don't have that thing in there, and the pegs just go into my head, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I love that you actually can recall the trauma you caused me, and and I do remember even what we were fighting over. It was probably the last piece of cheese pizza that particular day, probably. because I hated almost every bit of the kosher food at that camp. <laughs> like, I'm not that person, and so I probably three out of every four meals, I didn't need a thing. So when there was finally something edible, I was acting like I was just released from prison, and I was gouging on it, usually at the poor, at, to the poor people who couldn't get their share it of didn't. other things. I probably took your last piece. That you, that you had coming. Well, well, then, I, then I don't apologize for. No, I don't. I don't remember what it was. But, but, but the the food, yeah, the food was. It was catch as catch. Like pizza, they would do maybe once a summer, and that was it. It's like, why can't you give us pizza? Throw yeah. us a bone. 
I, I would I would wait for it. I, I, in fact, I guess they got me praying because I would be praying for the pizza <laughs> from my first day there. The couple was, of years I went, it was yeah. a Jewish camp, so that's what they were after. Yeah, yep. they would have knishes uh, also sometimes, like on Saturdays, but they would run out really quickly. Anyways, that's not why we're here. So we're going to talk a little. <laughs> we're going to talk a little Boston sports, and, and Boston sports fans uh, are feeling pretty down right now. Um, it's I want I want to ask you a few questions about the Patriots, Dave. Now you I know this is what I remember. So I'm going off of memory. I'm not looking at your your LinkedIn or anything like that. Sure. But you were a sports personality in Orlando, Florida, I want to say, yeah. uh, on the radio, is that right? That's correct. Okay. So yeah. that's so I've got a small slice of your career. What else did you do? Yep. So I graduated from college uh, after about a year of just messing around doing some local access cable stuff, which was just a joke. I moved down to Florida with no job or anything with a good buddy of mine who I graduated with. I got a job several jobs down in Florida. One one of them was with their uh, with one of their radio stations down there, a sports station. I also did some writing for the Orlando Magic, which I had previously done with for the Boston Celtics, actually, when Larry was still playing, just to date myself. Wow. Um, in fact, one of my greatest moments, I'll just quick quick, quick yeah, sidebar, sure, is um, Kevin McHale once whipped me up against a wall <laughs> because I had written an article that said he should retire because he was playing on quote two flat tires, <laughs> and uh, and that got released that art uh, that uh, issue got released and disseminated to the team. And I was like standing in the in the old Boston Garden, like against like the runway when you like walk off the court and no one can see you. Right. Like I was like I was like listening to an interview I just did on my tape recorder, and he walks by and hip checks me in his old hockey days <laughs> into the wall. It never even turns, never looks, doesn't give me a glance, just it, like a robot. Just when and yeah. I, I was so happy because I, I wrote, because that's media, right? I wrote something yeah. that mattered and resonated with somebody. I don't. There's no but bad it was, media. It was for a Celtics publication. What was it? Yeah, it was, was called it? Boston Celtics Pride. So it was um, it was a okay. fan based magazine that was sold in newsstands, and it also had a lot of subscriptions, especially in fact, Dave, uh, subscriptions to people who weren't local. Right. So um, you know, because if you lived in Billings, Montana, mm. the best you're gonna you're not gonna get the Boston Globe probably. Right. So and anyway, so I did that, and then like you said, in Orlando, I was doing sports radio, loved it. It was my favorite thing I ever did. Uh, let, but of course, in my but then the station went under and became a Spanish music station, <laughs> and I wasn't fluent, so I had to leave. So uh, I tried a couple other things. All the and indignity. It was it was miserable. So I tried a couple other things in radio. Um, it didn't really click too well. And then I just moved into a different career altogether because as I look at it in retrospect, and I've said this maybe more than once, I had two problems. I had a face made for radio mm-hmm. and I had a voice made for print. <laughs> so the radio was sort of affected by that badly. Um, and I, But however, and then I'll shut up, I did end up going back into some radio like, you know, very nostalgically about 10 years later in the mid-O's. Mm. Where I worked for um, sports radio, um, uh, sporting news radio network up in Burlington, mm-hmm. doing a fantasy baseball show and also all fantasy sports, mm. and then a, a drive time show in Providence uh, in the mornings five days a week, um, which again just for relatively short amounts of time. Is that right? Yeah, all right. And then that was it. It's been like fifteen years. So, what before we get into the state of Boston sports, any any memories stick out in the world of of talk radio? You know, it's it. It's kind of the arena of of uh, drama, comedy. You know, Rick Pitino famously calling us the Fellowship of the Miserable. Um, and whenever I hear a Boston sports radio caller, I, I kind of think of that because the shoe does kind of fit. But any memories that stick out from you? Um, from Boston in particular? No, no, no. Uh, I meant your time, like... Probably for Orlando was your, oh, was your, was your um, most meaningful run there. I, I, I guess for me, um, it was just how naive and 
I guess I'll just say naive. I was going to say stupid, hmm. but how naive the natural Orlando Magic fans were about the NBA and basketball in general. They just didn't understand basketball. So my friend and I, who both had been relocated down there, right. would do a radio show in a very arrogant manner. Hmm. So and so we we took off. So, I mean, rel- and I put quotes around took off. But we had a, a fan base because people were very annoyed by us who were native to the area. <laughs> this we'd be demeaning them left and right about their lack of knowledge about things. The, the things they would say. Right. Well, just raise your hands high and play defense. Uh, magic. Uh, that, that, that's great, dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, give me a break. So, so we had the same like three or four callers constantly. Yeah. And we would just mock them. And it was like one guy was named Jamal. I still remember David. Mm. Like there was just, they were, they, they all had massive problems. And it was, I'm sure that's the case, um, for major radio. This wasn't a major, major radio station, but I'm sure that's the case for all major stations that there's that, you know, fellowship of the miserable or whatever yeah. you want to call it that yeah. we're always calling yeah. Regu- regulars. Yeah. Um, and that can be fun too, because, you know, it, and, and now here we are in the world of podcasting and, you know, I find the same thing. A lot of the, I do a music podcast. I'll give it a plug past tens, a top 10 time machine, go to timemachinepod.com. <laughs> and me and my buddy Milt, we do, we, we have uh, a following and we tend to hear from the same people over and over again. And they're usually telling us we're wrong and your evaluation of Linda Ronstadt was completely off and here's why. And here's, here's a, uh, 1000 word email about why you're wrong. But that's kind of cool. You know, it's a community and that's kind of what yeah. podcasting is about. Anyway, um, I didn't mean to turn into podcasting evangelist there. No, I love let's, it. Let's, I love what you're doing. Let's talk. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Let's talk, uh, yeah, let's talk sports because, and let's start with, I guess let's start with the Pats. You, you start at the bottom. And for me, this, this for me, this sad. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Well, for me, this is an interesting, uh, interesting time in Patriots history because you are hearing a lot of fans expressing the anguish and zero confidence in the owner and the coach and the QB. They all suck. We, we need to start over with everything. In fact, tear the stadium down while you're at it. And and um, the 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 question that is on my mind is: Does this feel like you know the early 80s Patriots when they were two and fourteen and when they were one and fifteen. I have an answer as to why the as to why you can make an argument no, but I'll pose the question to you first. Uh, sure, I, I'm so interested it, in your no because it'll it, now well. Will, it depends yeah. on how you look at the question. But does it does it feel like that as a fan? That's that's kind of the question. Yeah, it, it sort of does. I mean, yeah. I always try to like de- dive a little bit deeper than the average Joe into the stuff instead of just saying, "Hey, they suck." Yeah. So like, so my view of them, looking at it more higher level. Is that whole goat thing back in the day of Brady and Belichick? Who's the real goat? Who's right. really the straw that stirs the drink, the rudder of this whole operation? Well, first of all, to some degree, it's unfair to necessarily say that it's one and the other one is irrelevant. I think it's completely unfair. Yeah, correct. Yeah. However, I do believe that history has shown us to some degree that one of them certainly was more of the alpha dog. It could be A and 1A, mm. but I do think there's no question that time has shown that Brady left Won it with a completely different team that was pretty useless before he got there. They might have been solid, but they weren't that kind of team. The minute he left, things started sliding, and now they've now they've careening down a mountain with like nothing to stop them. So I believe that Belichick was blessed by having Brady to run his system. Mm-hmm. I think Brady was a stinning influence, and there was nothing that would get in his way of that constant wanting to win. It was the perfect quarterback for the perfect coach. Uh, and, and it was literally the most perfect quarterback for the, for the perfect coach at the time. However, Belichick is much, much older now, probably even yep. more set in his ways in some respects. And I think that thinking that Mac or whoever is going to f- ever follow 
Tom, while while Belichick is still here, and who knows how long that's going to be, I think it's naive, and I think that really th- that the goat is the, the G O A T, mm. the, the big huge capital letters is Brady. But now we're talking about the goat with small letters being Mac and Belichick. Like who is the who is the the goat of this debacle that we're looking at? Is oh, it the, oh, the, oh, the, oh, the different kind of goat. <laughs> and uh, it's and that was that was my little t- thing I came up with recently. Very but, clever. Yeah, yeah. I, I try. But 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 <laughs> but but I think that it's I think it's everything though. I can't say that it's just Belichick, and I can't say that Mac. Who throws off his back foot a lot and looks perplexed a lot because his offensive line isn't helping him. In fairness, yeah. um, I think there's a million reasons, but I, do, I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in Mac to be honest. I, maybe it'll, he'll need to change his scenery. I think that uh, I just think that he has certain fundamental gaps that might not parlay him being that great. Yeah, I, you know, maybe a me- middle of the road when he finally finds his way back again, quarterback, and clearly the Patriots needed the top of the line quarterback to be what they were, right? The, the number one one. To be that, and if he's a middle of tier one, now that we're spoiled in New England, which is hard to believe with anything, yeah. uh, but since two thousand and one, it's happened. Um, yeah. y- you know, I I don't know, but but I'd, I want to hear your point of view. Yeah, too. well, you said a lot of good things there. First of all, that yeah, as to sort of whose fault it is, who's the goat? I mean, this uh, analogy I came up with on the spot, like to me, it kind of feels like there's a boat that's sinking, and there are three hundred holes in the boat. And you're screaming at the captain of the ship, why, why don't you steer better? It's like, what? Like, I mean, there is plenty of fault to go around. There's nothing going right with this team right now. Right. I mean, I can't name one thing. I mean, and then, and then you, you'd couple it with just bad luck, which is we lost our two best. The injuries. Defensive. Yes. Judon alone. Yeah. Yeah. Judon was, was a saving grace. Yeah. And, he, yep. he, I mean, just going through the whole season without him was going to be an uphill challenge. And then you lose your, your first round draft pick, Gonzalez, who was, yep. who was all of a sudden a shutdown corner, you know, as a rookie. Fantastic. Oh, by the way, he's out for the season. So, there, <laughs> so there, there, there's that. As to yep. the, it just annoys me a little bit when people, now, okay, so the evidence is there. Yes, Brady won a Super Bowl and looked fantastic and looked at the top of his game with the Buccaneers. And so, the I'd say at least you have to say Belichick made a huge mistake, uh, or well, I, I mean, it, the thing is, at the time it didn't seem like the worst mistake in the world. Brady's coming off his worst season in right. years. You know, he, he was old. He was old. So he, he was certainly showing the signs yeah. that that he hadn't shown for so long. Yeah. However, I'm going to ask you a question. All right. If right now they that um the Crafts announced that Brady has signed with the team. For the rest of this year and next year, yeah. would you be happy, sad, mad mm. in the middle? I would. What would be your reaction? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'd, yeah, I'd be sitting here going, "Man, I don't know how to react." In a way, I, I'm I'm fairly certain he's better than the quarterback we have now, and but at the same time, the team is probably no better and probably worse than the team that he departed and that team went out with a whimper uh, losing in the first round of the playoffs i think or yeah, uh, yeah and very very early uh, yeah, yeah the first or second i can't remember yeah. but brady threw a pick six at the end it was like oh god what what happened but um so the only thing that 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 gets my goat ah third use of the goat Ooh, yeah, how about that it's wow <laughs> we've really accomplished something here today <laughs> yes right yeah oh that's the wrong button there we go nice um so is this thing that oh it's obvious now Belichick Belichick was nothing without Brady, but it's it's like saying you know peanut butter is nothing without jelly or Lennon was nothing without McCartney. It's it's like you can't. I you, like you that can't, analogy by the way, the Lennon McCartney thing. That, yeah, that, that's, because that's, everyone's going to have the one that they choose. That's the that's the bigger reason. Right. Meanwhile, I'll take George Harrison. 
<laughs> well, no crime there either. But, but but I know your point. But yeah, yeah it's like why can't they both be great? Uh, and yeah. and and you can't ju- judge. You know, twenty years of of excellence. This coach is in the prime of his career, and as you're saying, he's an older dude now. So you throw out those 20 years? Well, he had Brady all those years. Well, so what? It wasn't his fault he had Brady. In fact, to his credit, he put in Brady, which, by the way, wasn't an obvious call. And you'll you'll remember, Dave, even after we won the Super Bowl with Brady in his first year as a starter, there was talk of trading Brady and keeping Bledsoe. I totally remember that. You remember that? that? I do. It wasn't a slam dunk. Yeah. So that's, it, that's not at the top of my consciousness, but the minute you said it, I remembered it. Yeah, because yeah. Brady was not yeah. a guy who put up huge numbers or anything. No. He, he certainly, I mean, what the hell, he, he brought us to the promised land, and he was poised and everything. He was great. But, you know, Bledsoe was no slouch. Right, and, and, and people were starting, well, people were at that time, if you remember, were comparing Brady to like a Phil Simms-ish system quarterback. Exactly. A guy right. who would never, like, dominate right. anything, but he might, like, keep you afloat and run a game plan. Right. Yeah. So so we're going to give Belichick, well, we give Belichick credit for for sticking with Brady, but penalize him because Brady carried him for all those years. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of stupid. But the re- my answer as to whether it feels like, you know, 1982 or whatever, yeah. is that as a fan experience to me, I tell me what you think. It just doesn't feel the same because it's kind of like I, I can, maybe it's because we're in our getting to be in our older years, Dave, but I can kind of say, you know what? We had it so good. I can say that we, we had it so good. It's amazing. And, and, and um, you know, if you're a fan of the Cowboys or Pittsburgh or uh, Green Bay, these teams that have just storied histories. Yeah, Miami for a good while. Miami. Yep. Um, yeah, I'd put them in there. Sure. They've all had spells where they've had, you know, shitty, shitty runs, yep. you know. And and so for th- this, this feels horrible <laughs> right now. But um, this is not unlike – and you could say, oh, well, they've been crap for five years. Well, they they made the playoffs with Mac, and they were – they were close to the playoffs, so they it weren't like that. Wasn't they were completely irrelevant? So I think we got to suck it up. I don't know, but well, well, put it this way: if you're going to be optimistic, you would use the you would forget about the original years of the Patriots not being good until 2001, right? And you would start in 2001, and then maybe compare it to the Celtics, where the Celtics were the goddess things on the planet from 1957 to 19, 1980, or or actually 19, 1987, really. Yep. And then they, and then just like the Patriots after like 20 years or whatever that math is, I think it's maybe 30 years, but, but whatever that math is, they fell off a cliff yeah, they did. after 87 for a long time. Yeah. And, and believe me, covering them a little bit, quote unquote, for those years, it was horrific. Oh, we got Dominique Wilkins, who's 63 years old. We yep. just signed him. That's, that's fantastic. You know, he can, he can still jump a, at least a half an inch. So, but, the, but the point is, yeah, like, you knew there was a problem when the, the poster advertising the Celtics game featured Dino Raja. Right? Oh my God. I, actually, you want to know what? He was the least of their problems. Like he was a, he was a good 15, was seven guy, 18, yeah. seven guy. But, but the thing is though, but then since then, you know, then they had the Garnett thing and they got, and they got good again. Then they went down again. Right. And now they're really high again. Yeah. So, so maybe the Patriots could follow that kind of a thing, and they'll never be that twenty-year dynasty again. But maybe they'll have three-year pockets or four-year pockets where they're very competitive. Maybe they'll win the division now and then, and maybe even go deep in the playoffs. But right. but, but let's be real: that dynasty thing, just like it was over with for the Celtics in nineteen seventy. Well, actually, it was probably over really when, truly, when uh, when Russell retired. Yeah. Um. You know. Then after then, it was still just peaking now and then. Right. But but honestly, like I'd be fine with that. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so the. You're right, and for a lot of this, the through line is usually ownership, or at least some like, or in the case of the Celtics, you could say it was Red Auerbach, you know, because he because he 
he was still around in the certainly in the seventies for the Havlicek years and for the Bird years as well. Yes, he, you know he put his his imprint on it, and you know people the curse of the Bambino right socks. You know what the curse of the socks was? They had a stupid racist owner for you know, 80 years or whatever it was. It was, it was forever. It was <laughs> right? from like 1933 to when he died in 76. Yeah. So that's 43 years, a racist guy that the country club kind of guy, right. ran, you know, Southern plantation kind of guy ran the team. And again, last, I think either the last of the, it might've been the last or the second to last team to get a black on the roster, That's right. which is ridiculous. It was Pumpsy Green in 59, right. yep. 12 years, 12 yep. years, Dave, after, after Jackie. And you probably remember this too. They tried out Jackie. I knew you were going to say this. They tried out Willie Mays. The oh, Red Sox oh. tried out Willie Mays. And they said, no, no thank sorry, you. son. We don't have any room for you. Okay. Imagine him and Ted Williams in the outfield for 10 years. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I think we would have actually broken through and maybe won a World Series. But 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 so if you apply that, and it happened to the, the Celtics as well when Grosbeck came in. Um, and, you know, John Henry, who is now like the least popular guy in town, it's short everybody's memory is. We, we, we I mean, I really thought – you know, in 2003, I was at watching the, that the Aaron Boone game. Oh, at um, I broke I broke two clickers in one day. <laughs> two clickers. I was watching with my cousin Mikey at the Funway Cafe in Foxborough, and oh, yeah. when, and when it was over, um, I collapsed in a heap on the bar. And, and by the way, those last three innings, as, as soon as uh, they tied it up in the ninth, I, I knew or the eighth, whatever it was. It was, it was the no eighth. eighth the, yeah. the, well, here's the thing, and you're yeah. going gonna to agree with me because I know you know your stuff. Yeah. The minute Pedro walked back out for the eighth, it yeah. was a loss. Yeah, it was. He he did the looking up at the sky, crossed himself, did, yeah. pointed up. He does that at the end of every single game he pitched in like 15, 10 years for us. Yeah. All of a sudden, Grady pushes him. And, and changes yeah. the whole dynamic of what was happening. The Yankees, by the way, the Yankees couldn't hit Alan Embry, Tim Lynn, and Scott Williamson with a two-by-four. At that point, they were all, they had been a little bit up and down during the season. They were El Fuego at that point. And the Yankees, even when they were beating us up sometimes, couldn't hit the three of them. We would have finished them off so easy. And by the way, that 3 team was better than the 4 team. They were Probably. a better team in my mind. If you look at the entire roster composition, that was the team that would have easily beaten Josh Beckett in the in the Marlins. Yeah, and they w- I know they would have. They would have won it. The only th- reason I push back on that is because um, everybody blames Grady, and yes, I do. I mean, he, <laughs> I, I do. Mean, fully. Well, the only thing I'd say is like um, old school baseball fans would say, "Why can't this?" Guy finished the game. It's not you know? old, Dave. It's not old school know, anymore. The guy what, doesn't have an arm to well, go. That also, he was injured badly, like multiple times at that point already. He 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 always showed that after about a hundred pitches, he fell off the table. It wasn't just well, maybe he'll give up. A all couple right, of you're right. You're right. That, However, it's just, I mean, you, as would, a manager, you have to know that. No, I know. It's, Let's or, not or, you're, or, you're, or you're derelict. <laughs> you're derelict in your duty. The the only thing that annoyed me was, even though it was a, it, so clearly in hindsight, it's a mistake. Um, the Posada hit, which was the the death knell, was a bloop. It's not like it's not like um, he, he he you know uh, Pedro served him up a, a softball anyway. But um, but that can we bring up Kelvin Chiraldi next? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, another guy who just didn't have any business being there at that moment. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it was Stan, Stanley. Stanley threw the the curveball went uh, that, awry. That's, or like, whatever that's like blaming the late Tim Wakefield for the loss in 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 '03. It was already over, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't blame Babe. I, I'm not a big Bob Stanley fan at all. It was over when Bob Stanley threw that pitch, it, it, that inside pitch that was whatever it was. It cross up was it whatever? Yeah. And then right. the, and then by the way, a little dribbler. So they didn't even hit Bob Stanley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so good it, it was really it was completely Chiraldi and 
arguably McNamara and Clemens earlier. But I w- I'll, I'll always go to Schiraldi. I Chiral- like how you didn't bring up Buckner because Buckner has has so little to do with it. I don't blame him at all. I'm with you. You and I Poor are agreeing guy. there. Yeah. I, I don't blame no, Buckner totally. at all. No, totally. It was yep. – it was, um, by the way, the, the – the game was already tied at that point. Yep. There was no way in hell we were coming back. Nope, was, no way. Was, <laughs> and there was no way in hell we were winning game seven either. You don't win game seven after that. Even though we were winning three, three to nothing. nothing. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, dude, believe me. I was at UMass, and uh, I saw a lot of bad things happen after that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, I was, a, that's a podcast I was for another day. I was Penn and Philly on my, my freshman um, dorm and with Met fans right down the hall. Oh, my God. Dude, I can imagine. You, well, probably, you probably had a lot more Met fans around you there, I would guess, yes. than I did at UMass. Probably. Although maybe it's close. No, a lot of New Yorkers go to Penn. So, yeah, yeah so bad. <laughs> really, yeah. really bad. Uh, so the, this, um, like all good podcasts, this has gone completely off the rails and off topic, <laughs> but that's fine. I, I, you know what? I never thought we were going to talk about the four sports, but I kind of like what we're doing because – I don't need to get around to hockey because I'm not a puckhead, but go, you know, go Bruins. Um, but um, so to, to close the loop, at least on the Pats. Yes. What the the the, the thing is, um, every sports radio caller in town thinks they know what to do. Fire Belichick, or or some people say get rid of Kraft. I don't know how you're supposed to do that. He owns the team. I don't. I don't really <laughs> but, get that one. But, but yeah. no, I've heard it. But uh, I, I actually d- don't pretend to know what is the right thing to do now that that's what's so perplexing about this the, the, i mean yeah pulling the quarterback would be easy our backup quarterback is not that good okay is i mean is uh you know tim tebow available is ryan is ryan fitzpatrick um will he will he depart all those sweet commercials and tv stuff that he does i mean there's there's no clear solution there and yeah you can fire belichick but then what is the alternative any better? I mean, I don't know. What I don't. Would you do? I really don't know either, and it's it's tough. And like every single time Mac gets benched, I feel so much satisfaction, but it's an empty satisfaction because I know we're not any better when he's when he is benched. So I guess what I really would do is I would take the rest of this season, see if there's anything that can turn around with with O'Brien and with him clicking a little bit. But you know, we have enough games left. Maybe we'll win four total or five, maybe if we're lucky. Right. And um, you know, and and see if he can see if he if he learns under the ultimate job pressure that anyone could ever have, right? Because the whole world is collapsing on him. The fans have given up on him. This could be the greatest story ever if he can actually emerge from this and maybe maybe be more than any of us are giving him credit for. And then next year at this time, we're laughing about as far as not necessarily the whole team, but at least as far as him. Yeah. You know, it's just a thought because to your point, it's not like we have a plan B. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, this does have there. There were Don Shula teams that sucked. They certainly were Tom Landry teams that sucked. Totally. And you know, it, it's. I mean, it's not his fault. His two best defensive players are are hurt. But I don't know. I, I am. That I mean, to answer the question, would Belichick be not as good without Brady? I'm afraid we have that answer. I mean, I still think he's a great coach, but he's not. I mean, he was a decent coach in Cleveland. He turned that team around in the right direction. Ultimately, you know. A, a bad season or two, whatever, and he, and he's out of there. But, but I guess sometimes you can't like you know turn uh, water into wine. It, you just can't. So sad times. But we we have our memories. Um, and you know the reason why I I've, I um, I already said it. Come on, Dave, move on. Be a good podcaster. Um, <laughs> let's switch. Let's switch to the um, quickly to the socks because people are, yeah. are kind of as down as ever and like. Yep. I love how when people say John Henry clearly only cares about Liverpool soccer right now. It's like, well, I mean, first of all, they bought the soccer team in like 
2010, and like since then we've won two World Series, which is two more than we won in 86 but, years. But aren't those the two accidental ones that we didn't really plan for? <laughs> that just sort of happened because we got lucky? No, I'm, I'm being facetious. But yeah. I, I'm with you on the John Henry stuff to a degree. Um, I mean, I, I still remember when I watched Moneyball, yep. that last scene when he brings the, you know Brad Pitt as uh, Billy Bean into the – like to the 600 club or right. whatever. And I'm like, oh, knowing what's going to happen is so awesome right now. You know what I mean? Right. Knowing that this I guy know, is yeah. going to take the Billy Bean model, bring the Euclid, the God of Walk, Greek God of Walks yeah. up and uh, the whole nine yards. And just, you know, so the goodwill that comes from that, is, I mean, the Patriots are one thing, right? Turning them around and making them great after right. the, the, the laughing stuck they've been. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox were a whole different thing. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out in 04. Yeah. So, so oh, I, I, oh, well, oh, when we won it. When we won, yeah. I actually, I actually cried two years in a row yeah. for different reasons. <laughs> different, it's, it's like the goat years. thing. <laughs> so, um, but it, it comes yeah. all back around. Right. So, um, but anyway, yeah, but in 04, I mean, my God, after that, after 25 years of misery in my particular case, I, I, I could never really think badly of anyone associated with that team, no matter who. Even Kurt Schilling when he talks some garbage here and there. So, mm-hmm. so I like yeah. never. Yeah. So, so, so the bottom line is I will never be like, like we got to get rid of John Henry or something. We need us to sell the team. And, yeah. But however, boy, are they boring. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like I, I went to probably more games this year than I had in a long time and I left early more games this year than I ever did. And, and, and nor did I even care when I was there this year. Mm. Like I just, they're just, they weren't compelling. They were boring. Devers, it was Devers and pray for rain. Yeah. And it was just, the pitching was a joke. Half of the people, my son, who's a, as much into it as anybody, mm. didn't even know half the team's pitchers. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, well, they did show signs of life this season that, you know, they were, they were still within shouting distance of, of a wild card for a while, but, I agree with you. It's it's it, it's de- it's depressing that we get used to a championship team, and that twenty that twenty eighteen team is is one of the greatest Red Sox teams ever. It was I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, they won so many games. Right, but, but right now, name the second best player on the team after Devers. Are you going to say Verdugo? Are you going to say Cassis? Like they just don't have the hit. They always yeah. have been a hitting team. <laughs> the pitching sometimes has been very solid. Yeah, but, but there's nobody interesting that's a hitter on that team. Like Cassis. I mean, oh my, he might hit 22 homers and 80 RBIs next year. Yay. You know what I mean? I guess it's, I don't know what you blame it on, but like, you know, so you lose JD Martinez. Was that free agency or did we trade him? I can't remember. Yeah, JD and Mookie and, you know, Benintendi and then. Evaldi pitching awesome in the playoffs. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, the Evaldi thing was a, was a mistake, and and then yeah. by the way, there was another mistake too. The kid who, uh, even though he's probably old now in the scheme of baseball, uh, Michael Waka. Yeah, like like we had yeah. him for we had him for nothing, just like we had Rich Hill for nothing a few years ago. Yeah. So we let these very cheap guys who eat innings up and were effective when they're healthy, sort of like the James Paxton thing. We'll let James Paxton go. Paxton yeah. will win twelve games with the team next year right. for like for like minimum. Let's keep the cheap guys. And who, who, when they're healthy, that's great. Instead of having some kid who's going to get racked every time they start, yep. let's at least have one pitcher or two pitchers that are solid and competent and are in a professional. And maybe we'll even rub off on the kids. Anyway, it's that's, in, it's yeah. kind of an interesting time in baseball though, because it oh three oh four those Red Sox Yankee blood wars, those teams were both stacked and they were and. So and and had probably I'm guessing the two highest payrolls at at the time probably right yeah I mean it is what it is right so um but now I don't know if this is complete news or it's been uh, happening for years now but you look at the top ten payrolls in baseball and like eight of them didn't make the playoffs yeah. like it's crazy so I don't even know what you do now like you think like the Mets they did what. You used to do when you wanted to win a World Series. You get two horse, you know, front end of the rotation pitchers. 
right? Yeah, that uh, you're, you're, oh no, you're making a great, great point. The Mets are a wild example, right? Yeah. I mean, they let the guy who's always injured go, right. and then they bring in two horses, and they right. still fall apart, and, 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 and they spend suck. more money yeah. than anybody. So right. it, it's a great point. And then you look at the Dodgers with Mookie and JD in the middle of their lineup. Right. They went out really quickly, didn't they? No, yeah, hundred win team. Bizarre, gone. Bizarre. And the Braves, yeah. the, the greatest hitting since the 2070 Yankees. Some were saying, yeah. And they got completely demolished by the by a Phillies pitching staff. That's middle of the – I mean, maybe a little bit better than the middle of the road. Yeah. But they just choked. They really well, choked. Well, I, I watched part of the interruption on ESPN. Um, I'm sure you've seen it with Kornheiser and Wilbon. And, and so they were lamenting that the, the system is broken, which sounds a little alarmist to me, meaning the playoff system. To me, it's always been an interesting part of baseball that people don't talk about that much. It's like if you win 100 games, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the, the best playoff team. Because why? Well, you get a five-man rotation. In the playoffs – what three? It's, it's really it, it, three, right? Really three. So yeah. So you know you could be an eighty-eight win team, but if the majority of those wins came from your top three starters, all of a sudden you could be favored. I don't know what you do about that, but they're saying now that the games are too spaced out, which allows those teams that are maybe top heavy in the rotation to reload, and the team that was just better over the long run. Is not, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. Well, you know what? So 16 of 36 innings, and let's say it's a four game series, that's right. the five, and it just goes four. All of those innings are going to be thrown by relievers because right. the pitchers don't go by more than five anymore unless you have a freak yep. situation. So it's really the, the bullpen teams that have strong swing guys, maybe for a couple, yep. and then the, then the lights out lefty righty matchup things at the end. Those are the most dominant teams. Mm-hmm. And the, and Philly, by the way, just showed that with like the Alvarados of the world and the Dominguez's. And then Kimbrell, who I think is on fumes, but that's beside the point. Yep. So, I, I, so it really is those back-end bullpens that make the difference because they don't let the pitchers go by more than they baby them. They don't, mm. go, they don't go more than five. Mm. Um, well, we got to run because I'm already late for my next thing. But, um, Dave, will you come back and talk sports on the, the Boston I, Podcast? I would do it any time. This has right. been one of the best days I've had in many, many, many months, maybe well, even years, my friend. Well, you got to get out more often. But I had a blast as well. And um, – Quick prediction on since we didn't talk about the Celtics at all, they they're now like a a favorite to go to the finals. What do you think? I think they probably will lose in the uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. No, that's my official prediction. That's they'll lose fun. in the East, all right. but, but they'll go far. They'll go far. At least it'll be a fun team, and we don't have to watch the Red Sox or the Patriots anymore. Uh, they got to stay healthy. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dave. Uh, awesome to see you again, and I had a blast. Hope you did too, listeners. If you like our show, follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. On behalf of my boy, Dave Volan, may I say, if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Everybody.